You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. I don't know why, but I love this time of year. Um, I love the, the start to a brand new year. Um, it's the, the year of the, or it's a, the time of year. It's a two-month gym membership. It's a time where everyone starts out strong, right? It's like, hey, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z this year. I'm going to have all of these New Year's resolutions. Um, show of hands, being honest, truthfully honest. Who's already broken one of your New Year's resolutions? Okay, we got it. Thank you. We got some honest people in the room. Um, but, but why is it? Why is it that there's this uh, lure of, allure rather, of this time of year? It's like this new year, new me. Why is it that new is so intriguing, right? We want the new phone. We want the, the new car. We want the, the new thing because new has this appeal to be able to fix old, to be able to fix our problems. And so as we reset into a year, it's this, it's this time when we, we want change. All of us do, right? Uh, we, we take kind of an assessment. We, we look at the year ahead and, and set goals and set uh, some to-do lists, some to-don't lists. So it's this, this time naturally where we all kind of assess and plan things out ahead, where we break ruts, where we start fresh. Um, but it's not just patterns of behavior. It's, it's, it's being stuck in a rut. It's, it's when a situation isn't just a, a, a behavior, but it becomes a, a reoccurring cycle that gets people to the point where like, I've got to change. Or I've got to do something differently this year because last year didn't really end up how I wanted it to be. For, for some people, it's financially. You continue to be in a spot where, where, where it's just tight, where you never seem to have enough. And you, you try to tweak things, you try to change things, but, but you're just like, no matter what I do, there's never margin. And I, and I need to desperately change. I need to desperately um, do things differently. Um, maybe it's relationally, um, whether it's in marriage, whether there, there's tension, there's unresolved conflict, whether there's um, years of just a lack of communication, and you're like, this is the year where we, we've got to change in our relationship within a marriage. Uh, we, we've got to get on the same page. We, we've got to, we want to desperately be back to the place where we were. And in order to do that, we have to do things differently. It could be relationally within uh, context of, of family, where there's parenting. And you're like, you realize how quickly time goes. Uh, I have this, this app um, that uh, it's parenting app gives you parenting resources. And when you first open it up, it tells you how many weeks you have left with your kid before they move out. How depressing is that, right? I'm like, what? Ah! Every time I open it up, I'm just like weepy on the inside, you know? It's like, hey, guess what? You got 300 weeks left. Better make them count. And you're like, what did I? Some of, some of you are like, we've been counting down. No. Um, like, does it start counting up after they turn 18? Um, anyways, um, but the reality is you just, as a parent, you imagine parenting was going to be different. You just imagine that things would end up differently than they have. But God can still change hearts. God can still change dynamics. Um, and for many people, the, the rut is spiritual. We ebb and flow and we, we, we start out strong. Maybe you started with a Bible reading plan, but you, you, you have desires to follow Jesus closer than ever before. But yet we, we, 
we beat ourselves up at times because we just, at the end of the day, we get so fickle and we just feel tossed around and we, 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 we hate that we ebb and flow so quickly. Maybe it's just myself, but I, I find myself on mountaintops and I can find myself in a valley. And it's, it's how quickly can life rob us from the zeal that we have for the Lord? Why is it that, that circumstances, that these things can dull that? Whatever the rut may be, it could be health, friendships, habits. Um, here's the starting point that I want to take us to. If you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to write this down. Is that one of the primary sources of stress in our lives is mismanaged priorities. Mismanaged priorities. That's why making New Year's resolutions don't just fix problems, right? They, they don't just fix solutions. Yes, behavior modification is important. We, we understand that. It, it works for a while. It sets us up. But, but real change is heart change. Like behavior modification is great, but in order to break free, in order to truly change how we live, it doesn't just by writing things down on a piece of paper um, or typing them in or, or making a list of things that you want to do or not do, but reevaluation. We, we like to do the things that we like to do first, right? If we have a laundry list of stuff to do. We, we check off the boxes that seem fun, right? We, 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 have, we all have priorities in our day. And what comes down to is not necessarily what makes the list and what doesn't at times, but it's how we prioritize them. It's how we put them into the priority of what happens. St. Augustine, a theologian, said... Um, he stated that what we consider human virtues, courage, honesty, etc., are essentially forms of love. He said, courage is loving your neighbor's well-being more than your own safety. Honesty is loving someone enough to tell them the truth, even if it may put you in a disadvantage. He said, ultimately, um, it is a lack of love, either for God or for your neighbor, he basically said it's, it's, it's this idea of disordered love that we struggle with. Um, he said that the problem isn't necessarily that we don't love, it's that we either love the wrong things or love the right things in the wrong order. That the, the root of all sin is just disordered love. The same is true in our, in our daily lives. Like we, we make those choices of what we prioritize over something else. And so the, the majority of the stress is not just because we have bills or we have tension. It's because in our decision-making, we mismanage priorities. It's not a, a list of all of the stuff we have to stop doing or start doing. Those things are important. It's not just, okay, the answer is always Jesus in church, right? We just got to put Jesus first, and then everything's going to work out. But what we see in, in the teaching of Jesus is that there is there's a priority in which we do things. In the kingdom, there, there's certain ways in which we prioritize things over other things. And as we go through this series, we're gonna be looking at that. Is that how do we establish not just behaviors, not just things, but if we truly want God to change our life, if we truly on the other side of 2023 want to be in a different spot, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, how can we align and prioritize our life with the teachings of Scripture? So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, a very well-known passage. 
um, as we kick off this series today, but um, <clears throat> give us some context. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has just been teaching about prayer, um, about money, about fasting, about uh, your treasure, about where you store up your treasure, not on earth, but in heaven. And so Matthew chapter six, we're going to start in verse 25. Jesus says this. So this is in summation. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? And isn't your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You ever stopped and just think about that? Like what worry and stress actually do to our bodies? And the, the, the amount of time we, we spend dwelling on things that are hypothetical, that never actually take place, and the amount of mental energy and capacity that we spend on that. It says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work and make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And here we are, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Some translations say, seek first the kingdom of God. Um, and that's where we're going to kind of start. When you think about it, it's like <clears throat> we hear that in church a lot, like kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Like, what, what do we mean by that? Is it just like put, put God first? But think about this. A kingdom is a, is a territory, is a place where a king rules, right? Where a king reigns, where a king has authority. And so we, we know that the kingdom of God is not, I mean, God is omnipresent. So it's not, it's not a physical place, but it's, it's oh my goodness. It's not a physical place. But it's, it's the alignment of where we position our lives in a spot where Jesus is king, right? Where we follow the direction and the rule of the king, where, where, where Jesus sits on the throne of our life. So when we talk about seek the kingdom, it's, it's aligning our life with the ways of the kingdom. When Jesus taught, it was countercultural. It, it was totally different from the way that everyone else did things. And so when we say seek the kingdom, um, it's not just about a priority, but it's in every priority. It's, in, it's not just in what we do, it's, it's whatever we do, it's, it's in how we seek the kingdom. Um, it's where the king reigns and invites us to be a part of his kingdom. The priorities of our time, the priorities of our effort, the priority of how we steward our money. Like rarely do you have to choose between honoring God and, and loving your spouse and working hard. 
Like seeking the kingdom is loving your spouse and working hard. It's, it's, it's in how we align everything with that lens of seeking the kingdom. So second thing is this, is that the kingdom's priorities must be the alignment of ours. We, we have to align our priorities with the priorities of the kingdom. Um, a couple of weeks ago, World Cup ended, right? A few weeks back, World Cup fans, anyone? Okay, what about Olympic fans? Who loves watching the Olympics, right? Now, when you watch the Olympics or you watch World Cup, no one, when, when USA is playing, no one has to tell you to cheer for them, right? Like if, if you went to a restaurant and, and all the TVs are on the yeah, United States and we're, we're playing against, let's say, France, and you start cheering for France, you're going to turn heads, right? Depending upon what restaurant you're at, you may pick a fight. I don't know. But like instinctly, you're just like, I'm going to root for my team. Like I, I, I live in the United States. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter if you've never watched soccer before in your life. USA's on, go team USA, right? Because your, your allegiance reflects your citizenship, right? Your, your, your allegiance, what you do, what you root for, reflects your citizenship. Paul tells us in Philippians that we are citizens of heaven, meaning we are citizens of God's kingdom. And so our, our character, our, I don't know why my voice just did that, my thinking about teenagers, I don't know, our, our character, our, our priorities, our decisions, all of that should reflect our citizenship in the kingdom of God. There, there shouldn't be question. There shouldn't be like, well, what team, what team are you playing for? Well, who, whose side are you on? No, no, we should take our, our attitude, our, our thoughts, our everything, and we should model it based on the teachings of Jesus says, hey, this is my kingdom. This is the way that my kingdom flourishes and how its people conduct themselves. It's not about behavior modification. We make that perfectly clear. But that when we, when we realize what God has done for us, when we realize that he saved us by grace, when, when he given us a new life, when he's forgiven us of our past, like we, we desire to do life his way because his way is the best way possible. So we have to align um, our priorities with the kingdoms. Now, this isn't easy, right? Like this, this is, it's a great like goal to have. Hey, I always want my behavior to reflect the ways of Jesus, right? Be honest, sometimes you just want to grab your passport and you want to like head back over to your old life and just tell somebody what you really feel for a moment. Am I the only one being honest? So I had one of these moments um, a few years back. We, we had sod put in at our house. Now, I'm a typical dude and I love green grass. I even got a picture. My grass was beautiful. Not that one. The beautiful grass. There's a picture of beautiful grass. Imagine beautiful grass, okay? Uh, There it is, right? It's long. It's lush. My kids are playing in it. It's just, it's not for too long because you can't really walk on the grass, you know? Um, No, I wasn't one of those, but it was, it was beautiful. And so I was like, you know what? I don't want to mess this up. So I hired a company to come out and to take care of my grass, to take care of the lawn, right? Paid them a lot of money. They would come out, they would fertilize it, they would do all these things. And so they came out one day and after they came out, a 
seriously, our, our grass had been in for, for a matter of months. I, I noticed, I looked out, and I was like, it's no longer green. Starting to turn shades of yellow, and then shades of brown, and then starts to disappear. And, and I, we spoiled it, but here it is. This, is. this is what my grass looked like. And so I called him like, hey, I paid you to make my grass green. It's not. They're like, okay, they came out. And they're like, hey, we, yeah, it's dead, but we fertilized it anyways. I was like, what? So I, I, I phone call after phone call. I, was, I started a log of phone calls. I kid you not, three pages long. There's 40-something interactions with these people to say, hey, come out. Um, you killed my grass. You need to come fix it. Okay, we'll send somebody out. Didn't send someone out. Hey, we'll get a manager call you. Didn't do it. I went through, I feel like I was dealing with the IRS that had a child with a DMV. Like it was, <laughs> my mind, every time I was on the phone with them, it was like some call service somewhere like that had no idea what was going on. And like, sorry for your frustration. Um, we'll have somebody call you back. And I, I Googled, because this was during COVID, and so they didn't have office hours. They were remote. I Googled the location of their facility, and I was tempted to show up just to speak with someone, you know? Bless them and pray for them and sing songs to them. Uh, my wife was like, you, you know you can't do that, right? <laughs> I was like, but I, but I can. I, I, I could. I, I really, really, really want to. I want to show up and give somebody a piece of my mind. I just, just come out to my house, fix the prop. You killed my grass. Like, I, I, I boiled on the inside for months of deal. It took five months for them to finally say, oh, yeah, I think we killed your grass. Really? <laughs> finally, they come out. They, they fixed it almost like six, seven months later. But I... I I wanted to like put off the pastor hat and to just drive over to the place, wait for them outside the chain link fence when someone was leaving and just have a word with them, right? But like, have you ever been, I mean, I know you've driven on Woodruff Road, but have you ever been wronged? And you just want to be like, can I not be a Christian for just a minute and a half? For real, can I just go back? Like, can I just go back and just, like my old self is coming out right now. But you know, you know, as soon as you open your mouth, you're going to regret it. As soon as you like entertain the thought of the conversation, right? Because we're, we're called to be light. We're called to show people whether they operate in the kingdom or not, the ways of the kingdom. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to have grace in our conversations. We're called to be forgiving when people make a mistake or cut us off. Or the coworker that you just, mm, God bless them, right? Like we're, we're, we're called to be different. We can't hold the world who doesn't know Jesus to the standard of Jesus, but we have to certainly hold ourselves to that standard. So we have to make sure that there's an alignment with if there's something that is a priority in the kingdom, it must be a priority of ourselves. Jesus framed it up this way. If you, if you kind of boil down the, the ways of the kingdom, it has to do with one, our relationship upward with the Lord. Um, a lot has to do with, with how we interact, with how we relate to the Lord in our relationship. It, it has to deal inward with our thoughts, with our emotions, our actions, our behaviors, how we contemplate and think. And then thirdly is our relationship with others. Mostly you can put the teachings of Jesus in one of those three buckets, if you would, 
when he teaches about the kingdom and how it relates to us and the Lord, how it relates to other people and how we deal with that internally. So where we go from there? Next thing is this, is that worry is a symptom of misplaced trust. Worry is a symptom of misplaced trust. Jesus didn't simply say, hey, just stop worrying. Don't worry, be happy. Everything's gonna be all right, right? He didn't say that. He says, instead of worrying, you replace that with a concern for the kingdom. It's not just like, hey, don't, don't, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. He says, no, instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom. God already knows your needs. He knows what you need to eat. He knows what you need to wear. He knows what you need to drink. He knows all those things. But instead, if we stop letting all of the other things of this world consume our thoughts and become priority in our life, if we seek first the kingdom, that's a starting point for putting everything else in its proper perspective of priority. We don't need to do more, right? We, we, we trust ourselves most and we trust everyone else least, right? It, it needs to depend on ourselves. But worry is when we put trust on something else which we should be placing on God. Um, we worry because we trust our, our ability to fix things, to make it happen. Um, the, more, the more we solely depend upon ourselves is a recipe for increased worry. Why? Because we're not that dependable. We, we, we can't count on ourselves. But, but the, the worry, the, the striving, the, the stress is a symptom of where we have placed our trust. If our trust is on solid rock, guess what? Our feet can stand. It's kind of like when my kids were learning how to swim, convincing them to jump off the diving board for the first time. It's like they see me treading water, they, they hear me, I'm like, promise you, it's going to be okay, I'll catch you, I'll let you go under for just a second if you want to, I'll pull you up, like, it, you've got a life vest on, how, how hard can this be, right? Just trust me, like, take the jump, like, jump into the pool. And it's all of these things, like, do, have you ever, like, not been taken care of? Well, actually, don't answer that, children, right? No, but, like, <laughs> intentionally, like, I've never, I've never let you down, I've never not provided for you, I, I've never intentionally cause harm to you. And if, if I'm promising, I'm in the pool and I'm promising you, hey, jump, I'm gonna be right here. Once you do it once, you're never gonna wanna stop jumping off the, jump, the diving board. And it's, it's trying to come, I'm like, why do you distrust? And as soon as they do it, they're like, why didn't you tell me about this earlier? It's awesome, right? It, it's this, worry is this symptom of, of not fully trusting the Lord. That's why he doesn't just say stop, don't just not worry. He says replace the worry with the concern for the kingdom. Instead, if we seek the kingdom. One last passage I want to take us to, Psalm chapter 1. I love this. I love how the Psalms are laid out. You know, they're not like in chronological order. It wasn't intended to be a hymn book. These were original like prayers and songs written by God's people that were compiled together in a very uh, strategic order. Um, the last five have this same theme that uh, many, if you look in your, uh, after uh, Psalm 1 and 2, there's like five books. And so they, they broke it up into five different books and each ending of each book has this same like hallelujah charge, right? And so there, there's a very thematic way in which the 
organizers put together the right psalms in place. But, but Psalms 1 and 2 actually stand outside of that. And Psalms 1 and 2 are kind of this, this groundwork, this, this preface, if you would, of reading the psalms and the prayers. Um, and Psalm 1 is this, uh, I, I love it, it's this beautiful thing of, of holding to the, the Torah, the, the Word of God, holding tightly to the Word of God. So we pick this up, Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, blessed is, this I'm reading, sorry, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. It says, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff with the wind, which the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Um, I love that, that the comparison of, of those that have a priority for meditating on God's word, for delighting in God's word, is compared to like a tree that's planted by a stream. Right, there, there's a constant access to, to water, to nutrients in which it needs. And it doesn't fret, it doesn't worry, but it just, it sits there and it grows and it does what it's called to do. It produces fruit in season, it doesn't wither. If somebody delights in something, like I love to delight in dessert. Like, I love, I love it. Like, no one has to beg me to eat a brownie, ever. I don't think that's ever happened in my life. Like, you said brownie, I said yes. Like, that's just, that's the answer, yes, yes, period. Or yes, and another one. You know, like, no one, if somebody delights in something, you don't have to beg them to do it. Because they delight in it. And so they continue to do it. They continue to do that thing. And it's, it's comparing to someone who delights in that. You can measure delight for the Lord by how much we hunger for his word, by how much we hunger to be in his presence, by how much we hunger for worship. And I've heard this before, I've probably said it before, but spiritual hunger and physical hunger are totally different. When we're physically hungry and we eat, our hunger is satisfied and we're no longer hungry. Spiritual hunger, on the other hand, the more we eat, the hungrier we are. And so may I encourage you, if you feel stale in your walk with the Lord, if you feel like you just kind of just blah, maybe you need to taste and see that the Lord is good. Maybe you need to take a step to, to spend time in God's word and God's presence and you'll be surprised how your soul reminds you that, man, I've, I'm, I'm planted by the tree, and the more I stay planted by the tree, the more I see God producing fruit in my life, and the more fruit that is produced in my life, the more joy I have, and the more I love doing what the Lord wants me to do, and the more I love being in his presence. Delight in the Lord. Two quick things as we wrap up today. So how do we do this? One, 
acknowledge and trust that God is your provider. It's very, very simple, very basic, I know. But it's very easy to just trust and see ourselves as our own providers, right? You get a paycheck, your name's on it, right? Your mortgage bills, all the bills, they come in your name. It's very easy to, to, to just, we, yes, we, we work hard, we have jobs, we have all of those things, but, but who at the end of the day is your provider? We, we look back at like Exodus and we, we see that, hey, they're, they're in the wilderness, they actually have nothing, they have no food. They understood that God was their provider because every day they woke up and on the desert floor there was manna. None of us have to do that. We live a very comfortable life. And the more comfort we experience, the harder it is for us to see that God is our provider. But may I encourage you is, is, is to realize that, you know what? We are not promised tomorrow. That everything that we have is a gift from God. The ability to work is a gift from God. The ability to make a living is a gift from God. The fact that you had food on your table this morning is a gift from God. The fact that you get to go out and get into a car and drive home is a gift from God. The, the people in your life is a gift from God. If we see that everything is from God, every good and perfect gift is from our Heavenly Father above. And we're not owners, we're managers, we're stewards of what God has entrusted to us. It changes it. Because we no longer fret when there's, a, when there's a need because God, you're my provider. Now that's not the excuse to quit your job and just say, you know what, I'm gonna sit on the couch and God's my provider, right? Birds still work. They gotta go out and they gotta find food. They're just sitting in the nest. Maybe the baby ones, baby ones do, right? But they work. He's comparing it, he's like, the birds aren't stressed but yet, they go out and they collect food. They, they build nests. Yes, we work. Yes, we do what we're called to do. But at the end of the day, we have to trust that God is provider. Not ourselves, not our intellect, not how hard we, we did the grind to make it to where we are on the corporate ladder. But God is provider. And when I recognize I'm a provider, it changes how I manage everything. It really does. How much more does he care for us? And then lastly, so this year is that we would continually examine what we do and how we do it. What we do and how we do it. The invitation to follow is there, but it requires us to take assessment. Um, in light of where you are, in light of what you're doing, in light of what is going in in your life, I feel like we, sometimes we struggle with like, what is our best yes? Like, what, what, is, what is my best response? Because there's always obligations. There's always things to do. We, we all woke up with the same amount of hours in our day. Some had a lot less because they slept in. But the we all have the same amount of time every day. We all have people and things vying for our time, for our attention. We all have a limited plate in which we can place things on and we have to continue to examine, not just say yes to everything, not just say no to everything, but things that, we, that take up our time, our attention, our affection, our commitment. 
We have to evaluate what we do and where we put it in the list. You know what, if there's, if there's room, if we're able to accomplish who I am as a follower of Jesus, who I am as a father, or as a, as a husband, then who I am as a father, then who I am as a pastor. If I'm, if I'm able to, to put these things somewhere on the priority list, matching the priorities of the kingdom, am I able to say yes to it? And it's my best yes, I'm gonna add it. But I'm not just gonna say yes because I feel like I have to. I'm not just gonna say no and then like not do anything as well. We don't want to commit. We don't want to say yes to the invitation because we're like, I don't know, I'm going to feel about that day. Do I want to say no? But I've already committed. We have to assess everything that comes our, our way. Um, we can't put the right things in the wrong order. Um, this, uh, for Christmas, my wife got me uh, new, new golf clubs for me. Um, and so I was super excited. Uh, and so we, uh, I went to the driving range this week and I got... Like she hooked me up, I got new shoes, I got new golf bag, I got new clubs. Um, and so I finally went to the driving range and um, I was horrible, like the worst. And I was like, this feels not right. Now I was like, okay, one, I'm wearing new shoes which haven't been broken in yet. I'm hitting with clubs I've never hit before that are brand new. This is my first time swinging a golf club in like probably a year and a half, especially the first time since my back surgery. Um, I've got a, like a rib that hurts right now. I know I'm getting old, um, but I'm like just, everything felt weird. And I'm like, this is horrible. Why would I pay to play this game? And so like I'm hitting golf clubs and I'm just getting frustrated. So I'm like, this is going to be the one. And then just, you know, or top it and rolls. Uh, but then after a while I was hitting, I was like, Hey, I got out of the bag. There's one club that I could hit. It's not bad. Um, but I was just like, I was like, this is dumb. You know the internal monologue when you're doing something that you're horrible at? You're like, this is dumb. This is the worst thing ever. I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? But I was like, wait a minute. This is a bunch of new things right now. I'm, I'm learning to actually swing post-back spinal surgery. It's going to take time. These are brand new shoes. It feels kind of weird. These are new clubs. I don't know how to hit them yet. But if I would have just been like, it's new. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it again. Can you take back the gifts you gave me? It's not smart, right? When we do new things, guess what? It's going to feel awkward. When you decide to read God's word for the first time this year, guess what? It may feel weird. It may feel laborious. It may feel like, I don't even know what I'm doing. You saying, I'm going to spend time praying every single day, or at least attempt to every single day. You know what? You're not going to walk away every single time just like, wow, I heard the voice of the Lord. Like there was fire. There was a cloud. It was just like, I'm ready to go rescue orphans. You know? No. You're going to stumble over your words sometimes. You're going to feel like, I, I don't even know what to pray. When you set out to do things new, guess what? It's going to feel different. Does it mean you shouldn't do it? No. The invitation to the kingdom is simple, but it's not always easy. It takes discipline. 
It's not easy. Like, we have to deny ourselves. That's hard. But Jesus said, but my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Meaning that if we, if we put in the effort, if we, if we do the time, I'm not, I'm not just saying this is about practices and things. This is about you connecting with the creator of the universe who made you, who knows you, who loves you, who desires you to be where you're called to be. Not stressed out of your mind, but in a rhythm of proper priorities to where there's flourishing in your life. I've probably said this before, but this has always stuck with me. Um, I was uh, listening to his pastor one time and he was he walked to get his mailbox and he was looking at these two trees that he planted in his yard at the same exact time. And one of them was like probably 10 to 20 foot hot, taller than the other one. It was huge. And this other one was, was still scrawny. And he's like, it's kind of weird. And he realized that the bigger one was, was in the, the radius of one of his sprinklers. And so every day or every other day for the last five years, it's been getting watered. And then he's kind of curious. And so he did the math. And he's like, it's like something like 12,000 gallons of water. And he's like, if I took the 12,000 gallons, 12, gallons of water that this tr the smaller tree didn't get and I just dumped it on it to make up for it, you know what? It wouldn't grow instantly and become what the other tree was. Do you know what changed it? It was a small amount over time consistently. The way that you and I change and follow Jesus wholeheartedly is not some radical new year, new me, beginning, I'm gonna do all of these things. You know what it is? It's you saying for the first time in my life, every day I'm gonna spend five, 10 minutes in God's word. It's, hey, you know what? I'm gonna make it a practice to before I speak, to ask the Holy Spirit to tear up my passport to my old citizenship, right? And to speak with love, to forgive. And then over the course of time, as the Holy Spirit produces fruit in us, we see change. As we yield and seek first the kingdom above all else. Let me pray for us today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you that you are patient with us. At times even more patient with us than we are with ourselves. And Lord, you're, you're not seeking compliance. You're not just seeking us to be good or to have the right words or the right behaviors. God, you're, you're seeking us to be radically changed and transformed by the message of the gospel. That we were once dead, but now we are alive in Christ. And because of that, everything changes about the way that we think and act and love and serve and give. So Lord, I pray that this would be a year of growth, a year of lasting change. As we don't just try to do more things or stop doing some things, but we would say, you know what? God, I'm gonna prioritize seeking the kingdom and your ways and let that permeate everything else in my life. And consistently over time, and over seasons, we'll be able to see the work that you're doing in our hearts, in our lives, in our families.
To you be the glory. So Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your faithfulness. And it's in your mighty and holy name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.